Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Luke chapter 1 and verse 79. Luke records the words of Zacharias under the direction of the Holy Spirit as he prophesied. Now, as he's prophesying, he's prophesying concerning his son, John. But not only would John operate in this ministry, Jesus would operate in this ministry. Several of the prophets, excuse me, prophets and the apostles and so forth would operate in this ministry. And let me say this to you. I believe truly the Spirit of God is operating in this ministry right now. I'm talking about, oh, December the 6th, 2020, Jesus is operating in this ministry right now. I want you to understand this. When we read scriptures like this and God begins to illuminate our minds and our heart, we're not just reading about something that just happened in the past. Because God's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is still operating in this same type ministry. Let's go to the Word of God and see what uh, it said here, and recorded by Luke in one chapter one, verse seventy-nine. To give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Based on what I've just read to you, I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this topic. I need the way of peace. I need the way of peace. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your presence in this sanctuary. Father, we pray that the word of God will have free course. Father, you have opened up our hearts to receive the word of God for today. Father, we are hungry and thirsty. And Father, we know you're going to fill us with your word. We bind the enemy right now that would try to bring hindrances or try to bring confusion or try to bring unbelief and doubt that would try to hinder what Jesus is doing. We bind and we cast him out. Father, thank you, God, for allowing us to partake of your rich word and help us to apply it in every aspect of our lives. And we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And thank you, Lord. Peace is a valuable attribute or quality, a feature or characteristic in the midst of chaos. In my opinion, chaos and confusion can be a root cause of sadness, frustration, oppression, depression, and other problems. When we're dealing with chaos and confusion in various areas in our lives, whether we work, whether it's work, family, marriage, single life, or even with our children, we must know that it's not coming from God. Go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33. I need to know, I need to understand that confusion or this type of confusion that Paul is talking about does not come from God. You need to understand this confusion is coming from the enemy. And well, notice what 1 Corinthians 14, 33 says. For God is not the author of confusion, 
but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. When we're talking about confusion, we're talking about instability, a state of disorder, disturbances. So God is not the author of instability, a state of disorder, or disturbances. So Paul lets us know that whether it's in our finances, emotions, relationships, etc., this type of confusion, God is not the author of. And I want you to understand this type of confusion is not so much on the outside of a believer, but it happens on the inside of a believer. God's not the author of that. God does not want you to be confused about your relationship with him. He wants it to be solid. He doesn't want instability to be a part of your relationship with him. He does not want disorder to be a part of his relationship with you. He does not want your relationship to be disturbed by outside forces. We need to understand that that is what God is talking about. See, things can happen on the outside and in the world. That's going to be a part of life. But God is not the author of confusion when it comes to your relationship with him. He's not the author of that. But I know this, though. If you allow him, God can straighten out any confusion that's in your life. That a preacher read there. I'm telling you something, because I've, I've been, many of you have been around God long enough to know that he's not the author of confusion, but he can straighten out some stuff. I mean, God has straightened out many of us in this sanctuary because but when you came to Jesus, most of us was messed up in our minds. We were messed up in the way we think, the way we talk, and the way we act. But the more we follow that omniscient God, we start thinking better, we start talking better, and we start acting better. So we know that God can straighten people out. In fact, he straightened out several people in this sanctuary. How many can testify to the fact that God straightened you out? See, I see, I'm not the only one in the sanctuary. You know that some of us were a mess before God began to straighten us out. Some of us, well, we used to cuss, we used to lie, we used to cheat, and we used to steal. And that didn't even affect us when we did it, neither. We just did it because we did it. I'm telling you, because why? We had confusion going on in our life. Now, we need to understand for some for the Bible scholars in the sanctuary. Uh, we know that God did confuse their language in Genesis chapter 11 and verse 7. Genesis 11 and 7 says this, Come, let us go down and there and confuse their language that, they, that they may not understand one another's speech. God confused their language, so that is why there are different languages such as Portuguese, Mandarin, Spanish, English, and so forth. But no matter what language you speak, God is not the author of what Paul is teaching us, which is instability, disorder, and disturbances in our minds as it relates to our relationship with Jesus. Remember the language was so they would not communicate with each other, but still we need to always learn how to communicate with God. Everybody see the difference there? We understand that when Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians 14 and 33, he says they're not, we're not, he's not God. It's not the author of confusion. That goes on the inside of an individual, as in all the churches of the saints. So he's specifically talking about the believers that are born again. And so he talks about that he is the author of peace, quietness, calmness, and prosperity. 
Why is that so important? Because when our relationship with Jesus, we need to be stable in our relationship with God. We don't need to be moved by winds of doctrine that comes our way and try to get so confused about our relationship with Jesus. So when somebody tries to bring something up in your life that is that brings confusion between you and Jesus, there's a problem. That is what God is not the author of. When people try to bring up information, try to drop stuff, that, you know, we have people that will come up and try to uh, indoctrinate with you with different stuff about different things. But all it does is bring confusion when it comes to your relationship with Jesus. And nobody should be able to come between you and God. And if they do, there's a problem with that. And anytime somebody tries to bring you something that you're not sure about, then go to somebody who is more skilled in the word of God than you and your church that will help you to understand what certain scriptures mean. Do not let individuals come to you with all types of doctrines or whether it's social media, whether it's maybe a loved one or a quote unquote friend or family member. Try to bring you doctrine that will bring confusion in your life between you and Jesus. That is what Paul is speaking about in this particular church, in this particular example. Paul said to all the churches, churches are the called out ones of the saints. And the saints represent the righteous one, the morally blameless one, those pure in nature, pure in nature, those washed by the blood of Jesus, those that are born again by the blood of the Lamb. And we thank God for the blood of Jesus that was shed back on the cross called Calvary. Now, we understand that we should operate in peace, calmness, and prosperity in our house, but especially in God's house, in our relationship with Jesus. When we see ourselves straying from peace and prosperity, we have to recognize it's not coming from God, but it could be fear, it could be insecurities, could be inward anger, or just the enemy, but it's not from God, because God does not want anything to come between you and his relationship with him. Peace helps us understand what is seemingly and seemingly difficult situation and serves as a protector of our heart and our mind. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. The book of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. The Bible reads as follows, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You notice that the enemy is going to be after your heart and it's going to be after your mind, going to be after your choices, the way you think about certain things. So he's always going to be after these things. But thank God that peace is going to be a watcher. It's going to preserve you. It's going to protect you like a military guard because it he wants to guard your heart and he wants to guard your mind. But we got to allow him to do that. We got to allow God to guard our hearts. We got to allow God, God to guard our minds because we understand that sometimes these two areas can be vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. So he'll try to bring things such as stress and pain and try to attack, to attack our hearts and our minds. But thank God for peace, quietness, prosperity, and the rest of God. We're resting and we're trusting in what Jesus is doing in our lives. And one of the things I thought about, the enemy, enemy does not attack you without a purpose. 
He does not attack you without a purpose. One of the things I had to understand when I was studying this is that when I was, the Spirit of God asked me a question. Why do you think the enemy is trying to attack in these type of situations? Because if you understand why the enemy is attacking, you you won't be so gullible to the enemy's attack. Go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 35. I want to show you something real quickly before we go further. The book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 35. Because I understand, why is he coming after my peace? Why is he coming after my heart? Why is he coming after my mind? Well, one, the scripture gives us the answers in Romans chapter 8 and verse 35. And it reads as follows. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The enemy wants to separate us from the love of Christ. Notice what he says. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. But the bottom line is who shall separate us from the love of Christ. So the enemy is coming after my peace. He's come, he's trying to come between me and Christ. He's trying to come between me and Christ. And I need to understand that when the enemy is trying to attack. Cause the enemy don't want my car. He don't want my house. He don't, listen, he can care less if I sleep or if I don't sleep. But he wants my relationship with Jesus. He can't get to Jesus. So he'll try to come between me and Jesus. You need to understand that because the enemy is real. And don't ever play with the enemy because the devil comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. And if you don't believe it, keep living long enough and you'll find out how, how real the enemy is. But that's why we need to understand when he's coming after my peace, he's after my relationship with my Savior. He's after my relationship because if he gets that, I won't pray, I won't give, I won't believe God. I start relying on my own ability and my own frailty. I start, well, if I can't do it, it won't be done. Would you know that's a lie. God is a God that has more than enough. He knows how to keep us. That's why he gives us scriptures like this. Because he knows I need to protect their heart and I need to protect their mind. Because if I protect their heart and their mind, they'll continue to trust me. They'll continue to operate in peace and prosperity and wholeness and so forth. And they and listen, and they'll be tranquil in their mind. They won't let the enemy come bring about strange doctor to confuse them, to try to get confused about what they believe when it comes to the things of God. That's why they'll pray. That's why they'll give. That's why they'll do what's right. Why? Because they got peace with me. When you have peace with God, it passes all understanding. You don't understand how you're being kept in the middle of what you're dealing with. I mean, you're going through a rough trial, but you're being kept in the middle of that rough trial. Right? That's peace that passes all understanding. It surpasses all understanding. When the Lord has given us a promise of his peace, his prosperity, and his rest, it surpasses. It's superior and much better than all the understanding I have in my mind or what I can come up with. I thank God that, listen, because you find the enemy that wrestle, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, power, spiritual wickedness in high places. And sometimes you may not understand all the attack of the enemy, but God knows everything. He knows everything. You may not understand his attack. Why is God, listen, no, watch this. Why is the enemy coming after me? 
You wonder sometimes why is the enemy fighting you so hard? We like, what am, what am I doing? Am I that much of a threat to the, to the kingdom of darkness that he will come after me? Yes. Why are you such a threat? Cause you believe God in prayer. You believe in worshiping. You believe in giving. You believe that God is going to do all things save fail. You believe God when others don't believe him like they do. When you believe God like that, listen, that's why you're a threat to the kingdom of darkness. That's why he, he don't want you to go around people and tell them about Jesus. Because they know when you tell them, it's real. When you tell them, they can't say, well, you know what? Uh, you, you about halfway phone it. No, I got the grace of God operating in my life. You're living the life that God wants you to live. You, I didn't say you were perfect, but I'm saying you got grace to help you to make through those rough times in life. And you say, you know what? Even though I got some frailties and weaknesses, God is still good. He is still worthy to be praised. He is still worthy. And so the enemy will come after you. He'll come after your testimony. He'll come after your witness. He'll come after the thing that you have peace with God and, and you have love of God about. That's why I think it's so important that we learn, continue to learn how to trust in Jesus. Go to Isaiah 26 and verse 3. Isaiah 26 and verse 3. What makes you so powerful? Because you trust in our master and our savior. Notice what Isaiah 26 and 3 says. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. We can see, no, sir, you will keep him. You will guard him from danger. You will preserve him in perfect peace or mature peace. Peace is safety, soundness, health, completeness, and prosperity whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You trust in Jesus. How many can say you trust in Jesus? I mean, you know, listen, you've been through some rough trials, but you still trust in Jesus. Lord, your body has been hurt, but you trust in Jesus. Your money has been funny, but you've been trusting in Jesus. Listen, people are acting funny on your, in your business and your job, but you still trust in Jesus. And that is so important to a believer. You got to continue to trust in Jesus. And one lesson we can learn and we're still learning, no matter how stable something out there looks, we still must put more trust in Jesus than the organization, than the money, than the thing, than the health of our body. We got to trust in Jesus more than anything. Because, listen, the world is going to change on you. It's going to change on you. Listen, I... I've learned and I'm still learning. I better put my trust in Jesus. And this thing right here looks stable. But I can't trust that more than I trust Jesus. This looks stable. This looks like it will never fail. This looks like it will work. But let me tell you something. I don't care how good the plan is. You better put your trust in Jesus. You better put your trust in Jesus. I don't care how good the organization looks, the, the, the uh, plan looks, or how the company looks, you better put your trust in Jesus. I don't care what your bank account says. Oh, I got enough money to do this, that, and the other. No, you better put your trust in Jesus. I don't care if the doctor report says, yes, Mr. Dobbs, you got a good health and you got a good health report. I better put my trust in Jesus. 
because I can't trust in that. Why you can't pass it off? Because people change. Humans change. Things change around me. How many know that your bank account has changed since last week? It has changed. Why? It's changed. It, things are changed. You can't put your trust in, let's put your trust in Jesus more than you do in things. Because that will keep you when things change. Are y'all seeing the difference there? See, that'll keep you when things change. When people say something, you're like, okay, no, I didn't trust you no way. <laughs> I trusted Jesus in the situation. Oh, the doctor said you're all right, but the next time you go see him, oh, you need about four or five pills. Oh, that's why I trust in Jesus. Are y'all following me here? You got to trust in the Lord. You got to put your trust in Jesus. You can pull up your account right now and see it, and then either you could trust it or not trust it, but you better trust in Jesus. Because you don't know what's about to happen to your account. What's about to clear and so forth. You got to put your trust in Jesus. Your relationship seems solid. No, I put my trust in Jesus. Because my relationship can change. But my relationship with Jesus, he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Therefore, I can have peace because I trust in Jesus. I can have calm and tranquility because I trust in Jesus. I can be stable because I trust in Jesus. Why? Because he don't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He don't change. People change. Doctors change. Listen, our bank accounts change. Jobs, I don't care how good the job is. And there's some job going to be around for a long time. And some companies going to be around for a long time. But I don't put no trust in them. I put my trust in Jesus. Are y'all following me here? Because things change. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I'll give you an example, but I'll give it to you later. But listen, things change. People change. But God is the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You can pray to God about something today, and he won't change his mind because he has his word. That he says, I'm not, my word will not return back to me void, but it will accomplish everything I set it out to do. He won't change. He is the same. He is the same. He's the same. We can see that God's peace can, not be, can be defined in one or two words. Listen, we talk about safety and soundness and health and completeness and prosperity. But listen, that's just tipping off the iceberg. God is so much more than that because God's peace is unlimited in its ability, strength, power, and influence to change our life for the better. How many know that God has changed many of us in this sanctuary because we trusted him? Some of our life, listen, we got more peace than we ever expected. Because God has been with us. I mean, look, you can go on a job now and they can talk funny. They don't even bother you like it used to bother you. They can act funny all they want to on the job. Like, well, I got the peace now. Oh, you listen, you can't move me by what your little saying go. And if I do mess up, I got a God that will forgive me. Oh, he'll forgive me. I told you not to trust him. <laughs> you ain't living long enough till God has put in your heart. And, and they say something. I told you not to trust him. How many people, I, I, I ask, because everybody in the sanctuary will experience that one time or another. If you have it, you will. I told you not to trust them. Even some of your best friends, you got to be careful how you trust them. And share certain, certain information with them. Because you better know how God tells you to do it. Now, 
I got a little cider with that, but let me go on a little further. In my opinion, oh, let me say, you see, we have to make sure that we follow the latter part of Isaiah 26 and 3, whose mind, notice our mind has to be stayed. Stayed means I got to rest. I got to be supported and established because he trusts I trust in it. I put my confidence in it. I'm confident and I'm bold about it too. My opinion, we we need to work daily on establishing our minds on God. We got to work on it daily. Got to work on it daily. You can't you can't take a break from this. I mean, sometimes you got to get in your car and say, "I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, God." I mean, you just got to keep saying it over and over. In fact, say this. Say this about three times. Say, "I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus." I trust you, Jesus. That's something that to be repeated over and over again. But then you got to do what it takes in order to trust him. You got to receive his written and revealed word because it teaches you how to trust him. I mean, you got to learn how to trust God in every situation of your life. Then you can have the confidence and the boldness of who he is in your finances, in your work, in your marriage, in your business deal, and so forth. Which brings us to today's topic. I need the way of peace. It is essential for me. It's necessary for me. It is a requirement for me. That's why we see in Luke 1 and 79, I want you to notice what it says here. To give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. I want you to notice to give light, to bring into illumination, to make known, to make visible, to make aware. In other words, something they did not know is going to be made visible to them. They're going to be made aware of it. They're going to learn some things. Who are those? Those who sit remain, reside. It's interesting. These individuals are remaining or sitting in darkness and the shadow of death. But God says this, when I bring them that light, I'm going to use that to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the light going to come for those sitting in darkness and the shadow of death, but the light's going to use, use the feet to guide them to a way of peace. Let's look at it a little closer. Luke is letting us know that there's some people that we have to be intentional to bring the light to because they remain in a dark place. Dark place can come from abuse, trauma, broken relationships, poverty, Light, and sometimes just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Just, be, just, just being in the wrong place at the wrong time can bring darkness. At times, people can reside in dark places mentally, emotionally, and possibly even physically when it comes to divine understanding of God's promises. The light can be clear in some areas of life, but when it comes to knowledge of divine things, our human reasoning can cause us to be in a state of lacking insight and understanding. See, one of the things you need, we all need to understand, you can know some things, but there's some areas you can be unaware of. They haven't been revealed to you yet. For example, the power of prayer. It may not be revealed to you how powerful prayer is, but when you continue to follow the light, 
and go and follow the Lord Jesus, his teaching when it comes to prayer, you realize how powerful prayer is and how it can change your life for the better. We may desire that we have been, uh, we may desire peace like we've been talking about, but sometimes you can be consumed with a lack of divine insight on how to obtain that promise. We can lack the level of peace and prosperity because we just don't know. It's available to us. Sometimes people just don't know they can operate in God's peace. And it's not about, let, let me tell you something. One thing I've learned about peace, peace is not about what you have on the outside. It's about what you have on the inside. What you have on the inside. What do you have on the inside? We can hear about the promises of God, see people operating those promises, but because we do not have the knowledge and understand understanding about the matter, we continue to sit in darkness waiting for someone to bring us the light. But when they bring it to us, we got to respond to it. We got to respond to it. You can't just let this word come into your life and do not take heed and apply it in your life. You can't take a message like we just hear here today that, uh, 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 and then not apply it in your life. Because listen, it, you got the availability of it. You got the access to it. And see, sometimes people don't have access to the light. But now God is making us, giving us access to the light, and now we must take advantage of it. The Holy Spirit is the power source to get that light moving in our lives. And as children of God, we have to be intentionally bring people to the divine light, which is Jesus Christ. Let's stop judging and let's bring people to the light. Let's stop judging and let's bring people to the light. We got to be, listen... We have to be individuals who have light, not to bring it in condemnation, but to bring it in love. When we bring the light, we got to bring the love of Jesus and not condemnation. Because sometimes when people bring the light, they bring condemnation to what people are not doing. When we need to bring the love of Jesus so people can see the light and follow the light. Listen, I'm telling you, people mess up all the time. And you know, you probably see people messing up, but what good is it to bring that condemnation if you don't bring the love of God? We need to bring the love. Lead the condemnation back, but bring the love. Now, Luke records Zechariah's prophecy. Zechariah was under the influence of the Holy Spirit concerning one of the works that John the Baptist was going to do, Jesus was going to do, and that God is doing today. Now, let's look at Luke 1 and 67. Luke 1 and 67. Now, his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. So he was filled. Now, understand something. When we say he's filled, he was furnished. He was under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And he prophesied. He spoke the mind of God. Now, we need to make sure that we have people in our lives who are speaking under divine inspiration. Most importantly, we know that they are filled with the Holy Spirit. They're not just saying what they want to say, but they're being led by the Holy Spirit and what they say to us as a church. And we don't want to be a church without knowledge and understanding of God's divine will. We don't want to be that church. We don't want to be the church that doesn't have revelation coming forth. That's why we continue to pray. That's why we continue to worship. That's why we continue to give in this church. Now, a little background on Zacharias. Some of you probably remember he was a priest. He was married to Elizabeth. 
He and his wife were described as righteous and blameless before God. He had an encounter with Gabriel, the angel that challenged his faith and caused him to experience a season of silence. You remember the mute button that we talked about last time. John the Baptist was their miracle baby after his wife was barren for many years. He and his wife were in advanced, they were advanced in years, as the Bible says. We would probably define that as they were a little old. Zacharias was given specific instructions about John in regards to his name and his calling. And I believe truly that his encounter with Gabriel and Gabriel and his son being born, I believe it deepened his relationship with the Lord. I believe that. I believe that he, his relationship was deepened with the Lord. You can't have an encounter with Jesus and your life not be more stable or more deepened with God. You remember when John, excuse me, when uh, Saul, who later become Paul, was on his way to Damascus. He had that Damascus Road experience. It changed his life for the better. If you remember studying the Sunday school lesson this week, one of the things that talked about that he had that encounter with him and it changed his life. And now he was an individual that ministered the gospel of Jesus Christ. He went from persecuting Christians to now he's ministering for Jesus Christ. It's going to be Zacharias has had an encounter with an angel. It, it, he went mute for a season and now he is now he has been he has been influenced by the spirit of God in Luke 1 and 67 and now he's beginning to prophesy. One of the prophecies that he's prophesying about is what we see in Luke 1 and 79. Many things he talked about, but Luke 1 79 is one of the areas that he spoke about as he was under divine influence. And he's speaking specifically about those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. Now, when we say sit, we mean those individuals who are remaining, residing in darkness and the shadow of death. Let's talk about these two detrimental influences of Christians and non-Christians. Darkness for the first one. Darkness is the ignorance of divine things. Not aware of what is ungodliness and immoral. Not familiar with consequences of sin where evil or corrupt ways become visible. There's a lot in this, but I'll give you just a few things I want to share with you uh, as you read something like this. There are individuals who may dwell in practicing sin, but not even aware they are doing wrong according to Scripture. And I was guilty. I'm familiar with guilty. Some of us didn't even know we were doing wrong until the light was revealed to us. Didn't even know. We were just doing what we do, being us, Call, you know, I'm being me, <laughs> doing what we wanted to do. Didn't even know we were doing wrong until the light was revealed to us. Thank God for the light. How many thank God for the light? Whew. There are those who are ignorant of divine things. Don't know the power of prayer. Don't know the power of witnessing. Don't know the power of giving. Just ignorant of divine things. There are those who practice sin to the point that it becomes visible to those around them. See, you can practice sin for so long and do sin for so long that after a while, people around you begin to see you sinning. 
What do you mean by that? You can have an anger issue. You try to keep hitting and keep hitting and keep hitting. But if you don't deal with it, remember we talked about one time how that you don't really know how dark somebody can get until they get in that right situation. You don't want to but you don't never want to get in that situation. I thank God for the light. See, I've been in situations where I got angry with a customer service rep. Thank y'all for the two amens right there. That's okay. Pray, pray for us, okay? And I was about to react one way, but the Holy Spirit said, no, you don't need to do that. I'm like, why not? They were wrong. But that ain't what God told me to do. Are y'all following me here? Listen, you don't really know until you get in those type of environments where you can react. And that's what God said. Sometimes you need the Holy Spirit to light you because if not, someone's being got fired. We've been cussed out the supervisor. We're being divorced court right now. We're being cussed everybody out in the house. But God loves us. And he said, Lord, don't do these things that you want to do with your natural thinking. You got to be led by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the Holy Spirit just say, hey, calm down, repent, and get it right. Thank y'all. I got five amens to say. Everybody that kind of quiet. That's okay, though. I know God talking to all of us in here. Because we're, talking, we're thinking about unsaved folks, but sometimes we got to look at our own lives and see what God is illuminating us about what's going on in us. Sometimes stuff going on in us, we need to get right. And we can't blame the environment. We can't blame society. Sometimes we just us acting like we. All right, let me move on. Second point, shadow of death. Regions enveloped in the darkness of ignorance and, and sin. Loss of life that was consecrated to God, the misery of the soul. There are those whose soul is in the dark place because of the life they choose because of practicing sin. They, they choose that life. And their soul is in a dark place. It's almost like darkness has set a place up in their mind where it corrupts the way they think, the way they talk, and the way they act. I'm telling you something. It's something about that shadow of death. Something about it. And it can set up in your mind. And it affects the way a person thinks, the way a person talks, and the way a person acts. I'm so grateful for the promise of the latter part of 1 and 79 that says the light will guide our feet. What do I mean by guide our feet? It's going to direct us. It's going to make straight. And I like this definition. It's going to remove hindrances. Whatever is hindering you, from going to following the omniscient God, following going in the way of peace, God's going to help you to remove it. He won't move it for you, but he will help you to remove it. And I understand that some people wait for God to move stuff out of their life. Some stuff you just got to renew your mind and get rid of it, okay? You got to renew your mind and get rid of it. There's some stuff, demons are gone a long time ago. That's, that's the way we act. Lord, I got two and a half amens right there, but that's good. okay. I know this is tough right here, but let's deal with it for a few minutes. Understand something. Some things we blame on the devil. The devil been gone. It's just the way we choose that. And we have to understand that the light has come to show us a better way. Show us the way of peace. The way of peace. But I thank God for the light. You know why I thank God for the light? John 8 and 12. You don't have to get it. I'll read it for you. John chapter 8 verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. 
He who follows me should not walk in darkness, but have the light of light. In other words, when we continue to follow Jesus, we're going to no longer walk in darkness, but we're going to have the light of light. When we continue to follow Jesus, we're going to walk in lightness, walk in the light. And we follow Jesus, it's going to bring a way of peace, which brings calmness, quietness, health, safety, protection, and prosperity. And the latter part of the text, the purpose is of the light is to guide our feet. Feet is an interesting word there. It means a disciple for or a follower listening to their teacher's instructions. A disciple listening to their teacher's instructions. So when you talk about we talk about the feet there, it's very interesting how he uses that. When first of all, let me say this to you. When the light comes, when the light of the world comes, which is Jesus, it dispels darkness. The light comes to remove hindrances that will keep someone who was sitting in darkness and the shadow of death from leaving. Like that sometimes the enemy don't want people leaving darkness. He listen, when people try to leave darkness, the enemy won't give up some people. Won't give up. He it wants to hold on to some people because they are Listen, some of y'all, well, thank God that you used to be, you used to be valuable in the kingdom of darkness, but now you're valuable in the kingdom of light. Thank y'all for amen. I, I, I know y'all, I see you out there. I know you used to be valuable. You keep some stuff going, boy. I tell you, darkness had you down, boy. But now, you, he don't want to let people like that go. But now he, he, he got you, you gone. He's trying to keep other people from coming over into the light. That's why we got to pray. That's why we got to share Jesus with people. And when we share Jesus, they follow all that light. They're going to leave darkness. They're going to leave darkness. But we got to share Jesus. We got to share Jesus. Share video. Share love. Call. Text. Share Jesus. Be a light. You are a light. Share Jesus. Share Jesus. Because one thing, and I'm going to get to the other part about the feet in just a moment. But God never meant for people to stay in darkness. What do you mean, Pastor? Matthew one twenty one. Matthew one twenty one. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He don't leave people in sin. He saves them from their sin. God does not want anybody to be in darkness. He saves people from sin. He delivers them from sin. He protects them from sin. That's why he's protecting us today. He will do the same thing for somebody else. Thank God he done it for us. Now, go to Psalms 119 and 105. I want to deal a little bit about that light. It's going to be about the feet. The, ter- the text uses the terminology to guide our feet. To guide our feet. Psalms 119 105. This term is to describe a disciple who takes heed to the teacher's instructions, which will guide them away from being ignorant of divine instructions. No longer will you be ignorant of divine instructions. Psalms 119.105. Your word is a lamp to my what? Feet. And a light to my what? Path. I'll read that again. Your word is a lamp to my what? And a light to my path. So notice the word is going to, it, we follow the instructions. We follow the instructions of the teacher. It's going to lead us out of darkness. 
It's going to lead us out of darkness. It's, listen, one thing I've learned about following Christ, sometimes you don't even know you're in darkness. But as you follow him, you look back and like, whoo, I was in all that. Lord, I appreciate you saving me from it. I appreciate you delivering me from that. See, you ain't, see, you should be able to look back in your life and say, God, I thank you for delivering me from this. I thank you for getting me out of that. I thank you because if you wouldn't have got me out, I would still be in that mess right now. I'll still be in that bad relationship. I'll still be in that crazy job. I'll still be with that. But God chose. You followed the path and your, and, and it was a light to your path. And your feet, you start following the instructions. You start following the instructions. You say, give, and I'm giving God. You said, pray, and I'm praying God. You said, fast, and I'm fasting, Lord. You said, love your neighbor, and I'm loving my neighbor, Lord. And the more I follow you, the more I begin to see why God, the way of peace. The more I keep going, I keep following the way of peace. And you notice when you look at a text like this, you notice that God has delivered you. He has delivered you. And not only will you follow his path, it will protect you from going back into what God delivered you from. Now, you know what God get ready to do now? If he delivered you, he protecting you, what he get ready to do now? I heard somebody say on this side, what, what God get ready to do now? Prosper us. That is the way of peace. God has delivered you. You follow the instructions. You, now he's protecting you because every time you take heed to his word, now he is prospering you. Now that is the way of peace. Peace. Well, now, hold on, Pastor. Well, peace means this. I'm going to have security. I'm going to have safety. I'm going to have prosperity. I'm going to have harmony. I'm going to have tra- tranquility. This is why we need the way of peace. My marriage going to be better. My single life going to be better. Raising my children going to be better. My, my business going to be better. My job going to be better. My home going to be better. Why? Because God, I follow the way of peace. I'm not sitting in darkness no longer. I'm following my t- the teaching, I'm following the doctrine, I'm following the omniscient God that's leading and guiding us into all truth. And that truth is taking me out of darkness into the light, into the way of peace, I should say. They all work together. The way of peace. When Zacharias prophesied this about John, not only was it relevant for John, it was relevant for Jesus. And guess what? It's relevant for us today. Today, God is delivering us. He is protecting us. And he is prospering us. Are y'all seeing the text? Let me say this to you. Wherever you go in your life, whatever you do, always remember, as you follow the ways of Jesus, he's going to deliver you, he's going to protect you, and he's going to prosper you. This particular Christmas season, this past Thanksgiving, even in 2020, I see God doing it in your life. Some of you say, Pastor Dobbs, I, 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 I washed my hands every day. I washed all my clothes every day. Let me tell you, that might have helped, but that wasn't the main thing that got you, baby. Because we don't, we don't, listen, we don't trust all that, no way. We do it, but we don't trust it. You know what we trust? God's deliverance. 
God's protection and God's prosperity. We trust in that right now. You follow me? Everybody seeing that? That's what we need. The way of peace. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.